Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. All right, welcome to this next episode of Box Talk. I am here today with Theo. Theo, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, my name is Theo Chakoris. I am the founder of H Town Athletic Club, otherwise known as CrossFit H Town, uh, down in Houston, Texas. Awesome. So, I feel I would love to hear a little bit more about your story, uh, how you came to own H Town and build it up into the business that it is today. Sure. Uh, so, I was a professional firefighter here in Houston uh, for many years, and it's a very labor intensive job to begin with. And Houston's very busy already, uh, fires, you name it. So, I was looking for something to just, you know, kind of help improve my, my job performance if you will. And back in 2005, I ran into some firefighters from Canada and they were just really physical specimens. And I was like, man, what are y'all guys doing? Uh, And they said, Theo, if you want to be a really good firefighter, you need to start doing CrossFit. So uh, I started doing the CrossFit in the YMCA, uh, you know, sweating everywhere, getting humbled every day. But I I saw that it quickly uh, helped improve my, my job performance. Um, just, just not tired, you know, able to go a little bit longer. So from there, I just kept doing it and do it and doing it. Um, and then in 2010, I had the, uh, fortunate success of being able to go to the South Central Regionals and compete and, uh, had a great experience with that. And the very next day I convinced my wife to let me turn my garage into a, a CrossFit gym. So, uh, we literally had the smallest CrossFit affiliate in the nation at the time, which was 234 square feet oh of awesomeness. Goodness. Yeah. And I uh, started with a buddy and his, and his wife, uh, convinced him to let me train them during the summers. And I quickly grew that um, from June of 2010 through September. I grew it to 45 people within my garage training. So naturally, we, we <laughs> had to uh, uh, quickly outgrow that space just to appease my neighbors. Uh, <laughs> and I'm and, like, how did you fit that many people in your garage? <laughs> well, I, I was doing small classes of five, uh, typically in the morning and in the evening and things of that nature. At the same time, still being a, uh, a full-time firefighter. So I was very fortunate that my wife would kind of um, take over some of the classes, and she was a level one as well. So she would take over the classes when I was gone. Either way, we, we ended up moving to our current location uh, where we're at today. And six years later, we have you know two locations uh, over 500 athletes that train with us and, you know, staff of about 25. Wow. Is it crazy to see where you've come from and now where you're at? Oh, very, very much so, you know, and I feel blessed. Uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of sweat, a lot of arguments with the wife. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the nature of growing a business. Uh, but yeah, I feel blessed to be where we are today, of course. Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, I'm kind of curious, what, what has led to um, going from a like 24-person business, in, or I think you said 45 actually, 45 people in your garage, to now having two locations and um, multiple programs, you know, a great business success. What, what, has, what has happened, I guess, you know, to lead you on that path? Well, I think first was just the passion for teaching. Um, and, and educating our, our, our clients to be as successful as they can, you know, and providing a safe environment. That was always my first, um, first thing. It was to make sure that they were safe and moving correctly. And so as I uh, continue with that, naturally, uh, m- our staff came up through those ranks. You know, they, they learned from me on how to instruct, and, and I taught them 
on how to deliver a great product. And then they continued on uh, our success and we were able to open up more classes and eventually uh, you know, into the second location. And the second location was really just a byproduct of us being uh, at capacity at this location and to the point we were on a wait list. And so that was just a natural evolution uh, of that happening. Wow. How many CrossFit gyms can say they have a wait list? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, probably a handful. Uh, and, and then you either make a decision to, you know, up and move locations or, uh, you know, expand your building or, or things of that nature. And we just decided to open up a second location. Yeah. Well, I know we have been talking before, and one of the benefits you said by opening up that second location is in your first location, you have two rooms. And that allowed mm -hmm. you to um, utilize one room not only for CrossFit classes, but also H-Child weightlifting. Uh, which is an extraordinary program, and I was hoping you could uh, tell us all a little more about that. Yeah, so, you know, I, I always wanted to have uh, a program developed just for weightlifting because it's, it's, it's so complicated to just go from beginning to, to, you know, Olympic lifter, if you will, and it takes time. And it's its own kind of, um, uh, you know, learning module in and of itself. And so when you put it in, in CrossFit, people don't, learn as fast because there's so many different dynamics of endurance and gymnastics and things going on. So I was fortunate enough that I met um, my, head, my current head coach, Mike Callaly, uh through a mutual friend and uh, we got to talking and you know, his passion for Olympic lifting and the fact that he had been in 15, 20 years in the sport already, learned from some of the, the, the top uh, coaches in the nation. Um, we were able to, to agree that you know, Houston needed a uh, a location specifically for weightlifters to, to, to learn and to, and to grow. And that's really where it started from. Yeah. So how has it evolved since then? When, when did it start and how, is it, how has it evolved into the program it is today? Sure. So we, before we actually added our second room, we, we had uh, Mike and myself would actually put on a, an Olympic lifting class typically once a week just to kind of draw interest. And so we would have seven, eight people once a week in the class. And as we added the second room into the location, we, we started with our plan was to have dedicated Olympic lifting classes. And so we opened up two, then three. And Mike is a great head coach. I mean, he has got a passion, he's got a knowledge and a skill set that nobody in Houston has outside of maybe uh, Tim Swords, who's a, a, a high-ranking uh, coach. With that being said, though, we, we slowly just continue to, to invest our time and uh, money into better equipment so that people could get better. And then from there, it grew into, um, you know, putting a team, so people who want, really want to go out and compete in, in Olympic lifting, and so we started uh, adding that, that area to the, to the program. And so now we have, you know, team lifting going on, regular Olympic lifting classes going on, meets. I mean, you name it, we, we, we provide it now. Wow, that is crazy. So what has, done, what has that done for um, your membership in terms of having that, you know, extra offering, that other program? I mean, what, what has been the reaction from your members? Well, anything that you can add value to, anything you can add value to, to your memberships or to your programs or to your clients, it's always going to be an improvement on your services. So the weightlifting classes in Portugal was really kind of our first um, attempt at, at doing that. 
when we started doing that, we recognized that the more that we can pr provide for our members at, at, w without an additional cost to them, the better it's going to be in the long term. So that allowed us to test and run and see, okay, this works. And so we started adding some additional programs without uh, adding an additional cost. And that grew our programs tremendously. Okay. So how did you make that work then? I mean, you said it's not an additional cost. So how did you balance, you know, having the cost of the program, having the coach uh, Mike, you know, and running that versus, you know, trying to give the members everything that they want well, paying for all of that? How did you find that balance? Well, it was, it, we had to look at our margins to make sure that our margins were, would support that growth, and, and, and it would. So when we added the, the additional coaching and class times, uh, we knew that as interest grew, we, could, we would grow our membership base, which in turn would allow us to have more revenue to, to push into that program, specifically uh, you know, equipment like the Alico barbells and things of that nature. Yeah, and you're talking about like some of the top quality equipment for Olympic lifting that you guys have for your class. And you have like, is it seven platforms in that classroom? Yeah, seven platforms, and it is the top quality stuff. It's not, it's not, uh, you know, some. It's the, uh, and we made it a point to to provide that. Now, did we come out of pocket e initially with all that? No, because that's a huge investment for a, a possibility of it not working. Right? It's it's kind of hard to say I'm going to come out of sixty thousand dollars for two people. And so what we did was as the program grew, we continued to invest into the program, adding additional equipment so that it made sure there wasn't um, any drawbacks to that. There wasn't limited in any kind of capacity. Yeah, no. So it sounds like you like had a plan and you slowly grew as the membership base responded to the program positively. Of, of course, of course. It's kind of hard to uh, – I'm not in the one of the nature of saying let's build it and hope they come. Because, you know, fiscally, that's kind of irresponsible, in my opinion. Uh, so we want to test and retest and then see if it works. And if it starts to work, then we invest our time and money into it to make sure. Well, that sounds like it even goes back to how H-Town started. You know, you started in your garage, a place that you already had. You know, got 45 people interested in And, you know, we're like at the point of probably breaking out of the garage and, you know, causing some ruckus in your neighborhood. So you're like, it's time to, you know, time to invest and, and buy a place and go somewhere. Right. You wanted to, I wanted to make sure that it was, it was, we could easily do it. And I, I wanted to do it in such a way that it was organic and natural, meaning that, you know, I went down to the grocery stores and I went to the Starbucks and I met people and shook their hands. Like, hey, you work out of your heard CrossFit. I mean, I, I put foot to pavement to, to grow it to see if it was a possibility. And that's how we just kind of grew. It was just organically through that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and what role do you think having um, such a well-renowned co well coach leading you know, H-Town Weightlifting, what, what impact do you think that has had on the program itself? Oh, hugely, hugely. If you have somebody who already has you know, a passion for it, but more importantly, the expertise and knowledge. And, and that's not taking away from people who've put in their two, three years to start to learn, but somebody who's already got that large amount of experience in both competitive and in teaching, it lends itself hugely to the, the value piece that, that we're providing. Uh, so we were, as I said, I was very fortunate that I was able to meet Mike and we were on the same wavelength in terms of what we wanted. That doesn't happen all the time. Uh, and, I, and I understand and respect that. Um, but at the same time, 
if you're going to try and grow something, there needs to be some, some education uh, to, to some degree uh, to be able to provide that environment for, for people to grow. Yeah. And it's probably, you know, having, having such a um, good coach in that area is probably also coming back to what we talked about before is your customer service and wanting to provide the best product possible to your people. And um, I know in previous conversations, you have continually referred to your customer service. And I was curious, you know, what makes H-Town's customer service different from, you know, all the other businesses out there? You know, what is it that you guys do that makes you talk about that in, in all of our conversations? Sure. So the, the first would be just the uh, amount of education we put into our coaches. So whenever coaches come in to work with us, we put them through our instructor training program that can lead anywhere from six to eight weeks. And we develop them in such a way that they're, they're knowledgeable about correction and movement. But more importantly, we're giving them tools to understand how we want them to coach a class and what's expected of them. Uh, everywhere from, you know, hey, Bob, you know, good to see you this morning to Bob, have a great day. That, those are the end caps that happen every day with every client no matter where they come in. That's from our front desk staff that says hello to when they leave. That's just one piece. Uh, and then we get into, of course, the education to make sure that our members are being educated in such a way that they're improving. And our coaches will challenge them at some points and then back off at other points. So it's about learning how to relate with, with different types of personalities. Uh, and, then, and then it's just our back-end processes that happen in terms of how we educate them on a continual basis, maybe via email, or through video, or through um, our event planning that we have, our monthly socials, and those will range anywhere from, you know, a uh, little bit of a, a wine bar to taking them to a casino trip to a beach day. So we do all kind of fun things that throughout the year to to create our community. At the same time, making sure that we're getting that coaching piece that really needs to happen. And I'll also finish it off that we cap all of our classes at fourteen people. So we don't do anything large because we feel that there is a loss of instruction that will eventually happen down the road somewhere. Somebody gets lost. And we feel that that span of control is usually good for 14 people. When did you decide to implement that cap? The, right outside the garage. So when we were in the garage, it was 5 to 1. And then as we grew, it was 14 to 1, no more, no less. And that's why I actually picked our original location because the room was support uh, 14 people only. And then we just carried that over into our next location. Okay, interesting. So you basically have had that since you've left the garage. Like that has been your cap. Exactly. Interesting. So um, is that, uh, you know, regulated by people signing up for classes? Is that how you uh, keep that cap? Yeah, we have everyone sign up for classes, um, typically 72 hours in advance, um, so that they can get the class. We used to not have a reservation system, and it was a first come, first serve. And what we found was people were coming an hour in advance to get into the class. And, oh you know, while we, while we love that about them, it wasn't fair to them to come an hour early just to get into a class. So we really did have to go to some kind of online platform to allow them to reserve classes. Hmm. Wow. An hour before they really wanted to work out. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, we were really excited about that, but it just wasn't fair. It really wasn't fair for them. Yeah. I know. So... And I'm also curious, you, know, you talk about this education and, and running your coaches through this program um, in order to learn, you know, cues and even greeting people when they walk in and saying goodbye to them as they leave. 
How did that evolve over time? I mean, was that something you always had to run coaches through that four to six weeks, or was that something that evolved? Well, I think a, a lot of it was a byproduct of just uh, me teaching and, and saying hello to everyone on a daily basis and goodbye and knowing their names and saying that. And so, as I said, a lot of our, our part-time coaches uh, and support staff came up through me teaching them. So it was a natural evolution of them carrying that over. And that's one of the reasons why we grew is just we knew people's names. We, we knew their, their limitations, and, and, and I made it a point to continually do that. And so it just carried over. To our, to our coaches. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes people forget how important it is that your members like want to be known and mm-hmm. they, 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 they want you to care and show that you care by knowing their name and knowing what's going on in their lives. Sure. Even if they don't really admit it and you'll have some people that come in that are naturally introverts or, and kind of hang out to the back of the class and they'll cross their arms and be a little intimidated. And it's really kind of just opening up them up to the community, whether that's, that's quickly or slowly. But it's about understanding people and their personalities and then how to engage them in the right way and at the right time. Yeah. No. No, that's good. Have you ever had um, difficulty teaching a coach on, on these cues where it's like, hey, you got to get to know these members and, and pay attention to them? Or has it been a typically easy thing? No. We've had experiences, and it's, you know, ideally like any business has, is we've hired people that we thought would be really great in the community, have a great skill set, put them through our program and then get them on the floor and they just, they, it didn't work out, they didn't collapse, they didn't mesh well with uh, the, the community and the staffing and stuff like that and we've had to let them go and, and move on. It's, it's the nature of the business. So there is going to be a, um, you know, a, a percentage of people that maybe don't fit into the model. It, it, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. And try our best, but if if it if it's just not a right fit, it's just not a right fit. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you want to have a right fit because you want to grow your community. If one way you're doing that is by having excellent coaching, you can't just have mediocre coaches who can't connect and can't teach right. <laughs> sure, I mean, completely understand, and that's one of the things we even do on a yearly basis is we send out a survey to all of our our, our clients about what are your thoughts on these coaches, right? What's your feedback? Whether, you know, are they good? Do you avoid the class? Do you attend their class? You know, other comments. And then we'll get general feedback from that. Then from there, we'll start to make uh, recommendations of maybe you need to go through ITP program again, or, you know, maybe this it's time to move on. So we've had those instances too, because people do get comfortable in their role and they don't challenge the clients as should be. So we have to evaluate those things. And this is really just for our customers' benefit, for our clients' benefit. Yeah, of course. And I mean, if, if customers are happy, they're going to stay. And I know we've chatted about uh, H-Town's retention rate. And I was kind of wondering if you could um, just shed a little light on that and why you think you've been able to retain so many members. So uh, our retention rate is, is typically about 97%. So typically we'll see a 3 to 5% attrition rate. And that's, and that's just natural because we understand that the longevity of our clients is typically over a year. Um, and so that's just a natural evolution of this. We, we pride ourselves on the fact that it's a low uh, churn rate um, because, again, part of that is the, the, just the, community, the, the client services that we provide, the programs, the offerings, the small class environment. More importantly, it's the level of instruction that our, our members do get. Um, again, we have people that are 
getting ready, you know, they're training to compete in, in the Olympics for weightlifting, like the, our coach Jordan uh, and Mike, and then we have our endurance people and, of course, our CrossFit. So we, we provide a level of education to our members that most don't. Uh, and so we, we, we pride ourselves on that. And then, of course, it's really just about nurturing our clients from the beginning. They step foot in the door uh, until the point that they eventually move on, you know, a couple years later. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. So, and I know you had said uh, when you initially started uh, in your garage, you were pounding the pavement. You were going out, going to Starbucks, going to, you know, local places and, and getting people interested in your, in your box. How do you um, market to your demographic today? I know you said it's, it's between 35 and... Um, yeah, the 35 and 55. 35 uh, and 55. Our oldest member right now I think is 62. Okay. But um, yeah, typically our demographic is a little bit uh, older than most CrossFit gyms. And we did that specifically because we understand that that age demographic wants to be challenged. They want to have a, a, a place to, to, to get better, whether that's lose body fat or get stronger. But they also want a place that they're going to feel safe and secure. And so that's typically where we go to market uh, our, our, our memberships or our new, our new clients. Now, that's not to say that we don't have younger members, but we find that typically older than 28 is a more responsible client. Uh, they're going to be more accountable to themselves. They're going to be less inclined to, to not show up right, or not miss classes. And so they, find, they see the benefits uh, of what we do. Again, that's not to say that we don't have great college kids that, that, that are responsible, but it's, it's just the nature of what we've seen over the long term. And so we decided that it was better for us to focus on this group to get results. And, and again, most of those, those, those people just want to be healthy. They just, they just want to improve themselves so that they don't feel you know, back pain when they're sitting at the desk or they have energy to run with their kids. Uh, and, so, and that's what we wanted to provide. And that was a natural progression to reach that demographic, correct? Oh, of course, of course. You know, uh, I've been doing CrossFit since I was 30 years old, so th yeah, 29 years old, and I'm 40 now. So yeah, it was definitely a natural evolution uh, uh, as as we progressed in the gym and as we grew. Yeah, no, for sure. So, and when we talk about like adding those extra programs, have you um, used your demographic to decide what extra programs, like the weightlifting, um, to add on to your membership and into your box? Well, we, you know, we, we always uh, go for member surveys and things like that, just to get feedback from our clients. And, you know, depending on what we've programmed throughout the quarter or the, you know, the year, we'll get things like, hey, I want more running or I want more lifting. And when you have 500 athletes, you have a lot of independent minds. So we get, you know, our, our, our corporate staff here gets a lot of feedback, you know, both the good and the bad of, what, of how we can improve. So when we hear these things, they say, okay, we have a selection of people that maybe want more endurance training and less lifting. So we start looking at, okay, how can we provide a, uh, an endurance portion of CrossFit? And then we get those that say, I want more lifting and, and less running because I hate running. Okay, so let's look at creating a, a strength or lifting program, and then they can offset their, their other days with some CrossFit in there. And then we get people who say, hey, I want more stretching going on. Sure. Okay. So let's look at having some, some yoga or things of that nature. So that was kind of just, just feedback, just getting feedback from our members. Yeah. But with 500 members, I'm sure you get a lot of varying feedback, correct? Of course. Of course. And you cannot 
please everyone. I really do try, uh, but I, I I can't, and that's unfortunate. You know, because I do wear that on my on my sleeve when people you know do complain about something, and you're going to have it. It's, it's business. It's a natural thing. So, but we try to say, okay, how do we fix this so that we don't have this continuing on, right? Um, all right, if this coach is really not working out, then maybe it's time to leave. So we really do take the feedback um, internally and see how we can make it work for the benefit of our members. Well, I'm sure your members see that, and that probably also leads to some part of, of their retention rate that you guys do have because they see that, hey, like they're taking our feedback and they're using our feedback. I'm sure yeah, that's positive. Yeah, definitely. And that comes anywhere down from replacing equipment because they said, hey, the barbells just aren't spinning anymore. Okay, let's re- get the barbells fixed. To, you know, we've renovated the whole gym just to provide nicer bathrooms for them. Uh, you know, just you name it, you know, redo the lounge, uh, all those things. So we make sure that we, we're reinvesting into their, their benefit. Yeah, no, and I've I've seen photos of H Town and um, the beautiful lounge that you guys do have, and like you have, uh, is it both like uh, areas where they work out are on either side of the lounge? And they have doors leading to those. Yeah, so I kind of say that our art, our original location, the arts district, is kind of like the shape of a butterfly. So the body of the butterfly is the lounge, and then on each side is the wing, right? And so those are the two rooms that we'll utilize, and the lounge is kind of like the congregation place for that yeah it would look nice I was like man I want to go hang out there <laughs> <laughs> well thank you thank you it, it was definitely uh it was it's been a, we've always had a small little lounge but it wasn't you know up as up to date as I would have liked it so the lounge was very just basic here's a chair metal chairs sit down hang out and we really wanted a place that people could you know hang out afterwards talk have fun and then of course for our new clients coming in that they had a place that they felt comfortable coming into and I feel like more and more uh, CrossFit gyms are finding the significance of the lounge, you know, the, of the third space. I, I think it's just becoming more popular and people are investing more into that. Sure, because, you know, the first thing you're doing is creating a community, right? And, and you want that community to be able to get together and talk amongst themselves, especially if they're a new person coming into the program. And so the, the lounge allows that natural progression to happen. Right, and then ideally, the, the the more they stay, the more they want to be there, and that's what we want to create. We want a place for them to have fun. Yeah, and that just goes back to the whole retention and customer service thing, and, and providing them what they want in a in a place that they can feel at home at. Exactly, exactly. In my opinion, it's it's you know there should be CrossFit should be you know skull and crossbones, but mixed with professionalism, right? You get into the gym, do the hard work, but at the same time, there should be a level of service that's being uh, applied to your your gym on a daily basis. Hmm. Has it been hard to find that balance between you know the knit and grit of CrossFit, and then also you know bringing in that professional aspect? Yes and no. We didn't. You know, we always said that our focus was first on just competing with yourself and no one else, and improving to get better. And so because we focused on that, not really the competition side of that, we've been able to seamlessly combine those things. Um, and I think that's, that's worked out well for us. I'll say, with 97% retention rate. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're excited about that. <laughs> yeah, that's very exciting. So, um, well, that's awesome for you. And I guess when it comes to uh, retaining members and um, what, what advice would you have for other affiliates in terms of like, hey, like 
if you want to keep your members, here's some things that I've learned um, over the years that I think um, you should maybe take steps towards. Sure. Um, I would definitely say that if you can create a more intimate environment for your, for your members, they will learn faster uh, than in a larger group with you know, maybe like a 1 to 20 or 1 to 30 ratio. It's just not going to be a benefit to your members down the way. They just learn faster in a smaller environment. Secondly, I would say that listen to your clients quarterly, monthly about their feedback. If that means putting a little piece of paper and dropping in a, a, a feedback note, do it. And then act on those things. A, a lot of things that happen is people just don't act on the things that need to happen. And so they end up you know, progressing or getting, getting worse down the line. So make sure you're acting on what, what's, what needs to happen because that will really help you even if it's a small piece, you know, if that means just hey, you know, getting bottled waters instead of a you know a filtered water system, and I'm just using that as an example. But if your members are really asking for it, do it because it just it'll just make their experience much better. Mm-hmm. Again, back to customer service. Yeah, <laughs> and it is. That. Yeah. So, and then how about in terms of I know um, the program we specifically talked about was H-Town weightlifting. In terms of building. A, a core, a successful weightlifting program, what advice would you give uh, in terms of that and, and building a program like that? Well, I would say if you're starting from scratch, then just offer a, 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 a once-a-week class to kind of build interest. And once that, if that interest is there and you're providing a great service, then start to invest in some other additional offerings or equipment or find a coach who's really passionate about it and invest in them. If that means you need to send them to some, uh, you know, some seminars and some education pieces to do that, invest in your staff and in your coaches. It will only benefit you and the clients down the way. Yeah, because especially if they're, I mean, if they're passionate about it, the clients are going to pick up on that, and they're going to get passionate about it. It's like a- exactly. It, it, it's a, it, it's like a, a just a natural attraction for it, right? And so your your, your clients will really uh, love it, especially if you can offer those extra services. No, for sure. And um, is it typically like you do? You said you do surveys, right? Like a, maybe a good idea is to do some mm-hmm. surveys and see like what people want off of those. Sure. So typically, when a person comes into our facility for the first time and they're new, we'll do surveys with them. You know, thirty days, sixty days, ninety days, uh, six months, and, and twelve months, just oh, to wow. see what their continuous feedback is. And then from there, we'll do a yearly survey to all of our our members. And that's really about our staff, if our staff is working well. And then we'll also send a, sur- a survey about how their just experiences overall and if there's any feedback they would like to leave us. So we're always listening to what they want or suggestions and, and things of that nature just so that we can improve the problems if there are some. Yeah, it's like constant communication with your membership to see what they want. Exactly. It has to, you have to have that. You have to have it. So that's what kind of what we call off the floor coaching, right? That that has to the, the coaching doesn't stop just because they leave the uh, the facility. Hmm. But that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, like just because they're not on the floor being coached on how to how to snatch a bar doesn't mean that we're not still coaching them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Well, awesome. Well, Theo, I, I think people are going to learn from this. I think you gave them some really good stuff to think about. <laughs> so I think right. that's crazy. Um, but was there anything else that maybe you wanted to um, add or, or let us know about H-Town that's going on? 
Uh, well, we just had our, our, our charity weightlifting event and uh, the South Texas Open, which we do every year. And all the proceeds of that weightlifting event go to the Hunter Club here in Houston, which benefits the um, families of deceased police and firemen uh, killed in the line of duty. So we make sure and, and give back to our community as much as possible. And, you know, again, if people are around in, in Houston next year and want to come out to our South Texas Open, we'd love to uh, have you out uh, as a visitor or, or compete. Or compete, yeah, why not? How long has that yeah. been going on for? Uh, this is our seventh year doing it. So Mike actually started this before H-Town uh, was even around. So Mike has carried that through to here. And we have some, we have some great lifters, some USA team lifters. We have uh, one of our coaches, Jordan. She's you know, training for the Olympics in 2020 uh, and the Nationals right now. So we're really excited to have that level of uh, education, but also that offering for for uh, raising money for a good cause. Yeah, sounds like a good competition. If you're a weightlifter, you should probably probably think about going next year. Definitely. It's a sanctioned event, so we love it. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Theo, thank you so much uh, for just taking your time today and, and chatting with us about H-Town and all the awesome things you guys are doing. Uh, we really appreciate you being on the podcast with us. Well, thanks, Heather. Appreciate it.